for our first message today. We have a split sermon from our pianist, Mr. Art Williams, entitled Ambassadors for Christ. Mr. Williams. Ready? Why are you here? Why am I here? What are we doing here? Well, it's a validation that the reality of the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles in the Holy Days hasn't happened yet. Because had they happened, we probably wouldn't be here. We'd be on assignment. Now, maybe our assignment would happen to be in Tulsa and we can get on a turf dispute with United and CGI or whoever else happens to be around. But for now, it hasn't happened. And so we're here in our nation. In Genesis 12, 2, it tells us who creates nations. Abraham, a nation, God's speaking to him and says, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And will bless them that bless you and curse him that curses you. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Quite a promise and quite a blessing. And we continue in 20, Genesis 21, 13, speaking to the bondwoman. He says to her also, I will make of you a nation. Oh, he's quoting it, reading it. And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation because he is your seed. That's Abraham. And in 1 Peter 2, 9, he says it to the church. But the church is a nation. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Yes, that's what we are peculiar in the world's eyes, aren't we? Uh, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. So the church is many things. And here we see that it is a nation, a holy nation, people of God. People of multiple nations around the world all rolled up into one ball. A peculiar people a holy nation. And in Philippians 3.20, it says that our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And certainly I think we probably all are very eager for his return. And our recognition of our citizenship, the recognition that the church is also a nation, has, is important because it involves in how we look at ourselves. And that has to do with what we do with our life and how we do it. And how does this happen? Well, it happens through sanctification. And there's several different aspects of sanctification. We see in John 17, 19, it says, For their sakes, this is Jesus speaking, For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. The truth that Jesus has for us is part of sanctification. And it's really, really important because it differentiates between those that are believers and those that are sanctified disciples of Jesus. And that's not to put anybody down. It's just a simple fact. In Acts 26, 18, it says to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light 
and from the power of Satan unto God, that he, that they may receive forgiveness for sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Second aspect of sanctification, faith. There's a third factor in sanctification. We find that in Romans 15, 16. That I should be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. This is Paul speaking. Ministering gospel of God that the offering up to the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. The third factor of sanctification. Truth, faith, the Holy Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians 1, 2, it says, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Jesus Christ, called saints, not called to be saints, because we are saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus our Lord both theirs and ours. <clears throat> Four factors then because the first three are rolled up in Christ. Holy Spirit, faith and truth all rolled up in Christ. And there's more to sanctification. It's really, really important the broad aspect of sanctification. 1 Corinthians 7.14 For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but they are now holy. So you have one person in the family that's sanctified, and he looks at the family as being sanctified. That's really, really important, because you, you, our families are often separated today with all the travel that we have, and, 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 and so on with international, and any foreign countries you know can be stressful over there, especially if you're a Christian. But he gives recognition to our extended families wherever they are, even if they aren't the one that is sanctified. They're sanctified by the factor that you are. So he takes that into consideration, and that is a blessing. And in Hebrews 2.11, <clears throat> for both he that is sanctified and they who are sanctified are all one, unity with Christ, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Really, uh, I find that a heartwarm. All the, these scriptures on sanctification, I find them to be very heartwarming for myself. And then the sign of sanctification. I've gone through this before. Exodus thirty-one thirteen, because you also unto the children of Israel speak. You also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily, my Sabbath you shall keep. Notice that Sabbath is plural. It's not one. It's all of the Sabbath, including the annual Sabbath. For a sign between me and thee throughout all your generations that you may know that I am the Lord that does sanctify you. A point of building confidence in him. The fact that we have that understanding. And continuing in Revelation 5.10 in a vision, he says, And he has made us unto God kings and priests, and we shall reign on earth. I mentioned this back up at the feast, that we are currently kings and priests that we just haven't received the crown yet. We are designated kings and priests to reign in the future on the earth with him. But currently, what are we? Currently, we are 2 Corinthians 5.20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's seed be you reconciled to God. So we are ambassadors for Christ. And then the question is, what are we to do as ambassadors? 
And we have, what is an ambassador? In Strong's, the number for ambassadors is 4243, and it's to act as a representative. We have examples of ambassadors in our world of governments. Um, some of them seem to be very effective and others seem like they're just on a joyride. They get to travel into foreign countries, live a pretty cushy style, lifestyle, eat in very fancy restaurants and hobnob with the elite of the world. <clears throat> but the real purpose of an ambassador is that they are the highest ranking representative of their own government abroad in a foreign country. Their primary responsibility is to represent the work toward the best interest of their government or, or head of state. They're not elected, they're chosen, and they are appointed an enormous honor. And to us, it also is an honor to be called by God and chosen to follow him. It says in 1 Corinthians 1.26, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, that probably puts us a little bit behind the eight ball because we're, in the eyes of the world, probably less qualified to be an ambassador, which means perhaps the hurdles that we have are bigger, which means when we overcome, we overcome to a perhaps a larger degree than those that already have an innate ability. While ambassadors live and work in foreign countries, they still remain a citizen of their own homeland. And the laws of their homeland is supreme. But they keep the laws of the host country as long as there is no conflict between them. We can reference the two scriptures. I'm not going to turn to them. Acts 5.29, keeping the law in their homeland and no, the conflict on laws. Luke 20.25, I'm not going to turn either of those. <coughs> Christ warned us that our ultimate allegiance to God means we may be unpopular with the local population because we refuse to conform. Are you hearing a vibration or anything from me? Can you, can you hear that, Brian? Is that me or my microphone? Or? Okay. Christ warned us ultimately allegiance to God means that we might be unpopular for refusing to conform to the world's standards or to the standards of the country that we live in. I'll reference you to John 15, 19. But the commission given dictates that one does not hide out, but be the light of the world. So while we're to be the light of the world and be unpopular with the greater population that we're in, puts us kind of between a rock and a hard place. And that's where faith comes in. It also relying on him for strength. The ambassador must accurately represent the concerns 
the regards of his home country, his leader, his government. To do that, we have to understand it ourselves, and it requires continuous study, learning, growing, prayer. And there is a risk involved. There's a risk involved. Paul references it in 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Now the Spirit speaks expressly in that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So there's a risk there of departing from the faith for not a number of reasons. Some of those are pressures of our society, maybe because we get detached out of studying and prayer, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines, doctrines that perhaps sound very enticing and doctrines of devils, if they're presented in, as an angel, by an angel of light, can be very misleading and surprising. <clears throat> Benjamin Franklin, of course he lived during the, in the formative days of our country, is an example of an ambassador that didn't have the close communications that ambassadors have today. Today we have internet, we have phones, we have all kinds of ways for immediate communication so we can get guidance and directions from our government and find out exactly how they want us to handle it. In Ben Franklin's day, they didn't have that. He was an ambassador to France, and his purpose was to bring France into the American Revolutionary War on the side of the Americans. Gradually and diplomatically, he did this successfully. And as he worked through that, it cost him his relationship with his son. And kind of like that, God doesn't give us a real clear script. He doesn't dictate exact actions. He provides us with a manual that has guidelines and examples, some do's and don'ts, and a vision of the future. But he gives us his spirit, his laws, his teachings, and empowers us to live our lives and make our own decisions. The best of our understanding as motivated by the spirit. We can ask for guidance, we can ask for answers and help, and sometimes we get immediate answers to those. Sometimes we don't get answers. Sometimes the answer is, look into the instruction book, work through it, and learn and grow. And that's why we must read, study, meditate, pray, and learn the nuances and the connections. When a situation arises, a surprising situation, we'll be better prepared to handle it will have the understanding to make decisions and have clarity of purpose on how to proceed. And this training we experience today. And it's preparing us for our future positions as kings and priests, ruling with him. Emotional attachments that we may have can be strong pools and this persuade us, perhaps, to make wrong decisions. We've all been through 
pulls of loved ones and some of those situations that pull on your heartstrings greatly and some of those decisions are hard to go with. And that's where we're having love of God, the faith in God, trusting in Jesus, seeing the end outcome that regardless of what happens now, it will all be rectified. The lost loved ones will be reunited with you in a better time, in a place where it will be easier for them to survive and get their head screwed on straight if that's what's needed. These impedances can impair our judgment, may even place us with odds with what he's doing. But as long as we remain faithful to him and come back to him and ask for guidance and rec reconciliation, he'll be there and he'll help straighten it out. Ambassadors are additionally responsible for caring for fellow countrymen abroad. If you happen to be an ambassador you know, over in, say, Somalia or Kenya, and there are true Christians there or even just believers, you have a responsible for caring for them as an ambassador, and that can be a frightful situation also because you may have armed guards showing up at your house. some very tough situations that most of us here in this country don't really have to face. Christ told his disciples that love for one another would be an identifying characteristic to the world, John 13, 35. You know, Paul, he severely chastised the churches of his day for disputing, judging, showing partiality, especially to those that are wealthy, taking each other to court, disrespecting each other, These activities may simply be carnality, or they could be manipulations of a situation by the angel of light to get you untracked from where you're trying to go. He would love to cause bitterness, rivalry, breakups between brothers, breakups of even churches to weaken their ability to do the work and cause some to lose salvation. And so the chastisement of Paul to these churches is well-founded, disputing, judging, partiality, taking each other to court, disrespecting each other, are all spiritual issues, not simply carnal issues, and they can be with severe spiritual ramifications. I want to read something from uh, a reference Bible that I have. It's a note on Revelation 13.8. I, I reworded it and broke it down a little bit to make it a little con more condensed. But it says, Satan has orchestrated this world's unbelieving mankind using force, greed, selfishness, ambition, and pleasure. 
It mostly uses military force to impose its will and is outwardly religious, scientific, cultured, and elegant. And it is immersed in nationalism and commercial rival rivalries and ambition. Those are some of the characteristics of the operations, modus operandi, of the angel of light. And all of those things that we just went through, he can present as being something that's good. Just like he did when he talked with Ahab and just Josephats about re retrieving the land that was rightfully Israel's, but the Syrians had taken over. So it seemed like a righteous cause, but in the end, it wasn't for Ahab. Characteristics of ambassadors, a firm foundation. That is an understanding of his laws, an understanding of his plan, the understanding of his purpose, understanding the future. Understanding that the beginning of it is through repentance and baptism, and having a passion for the truth and a strong sense of patriotism for the kingdom of God and the ruling king, Jesus just as the worldly ambassadors have those kinds of dedications to their government and their ruling person. <clears throat> we need to be educated about the home, the host country in which the ambassador relies, resides in. It's important to know the history, the circumstances, the obstacles, you no doubt are going to be blindsided as you grow in Christian growth and understanding. You grow in, in your spiritual development. Things may blindside you that you've never thought of before. Of course, being in our country here, we can well understand the background. It's not as if we are in Afghanistan or Iraq or even Japan, or South Korea, or Russia, any of those foreign countries, we would have to know something about the background of the people to be able to administer to them without insulting them, without being high-handed. You know, you have to be careful in some of the foreign countries. We, when I traveled to Japan and South Korea, we were given a little bit of education how to conduct ourselves when we went over there. You know, in some countries, if you offer your hand to a, a lady, you may be executed. You don't do that. So you have to understand some of the customs. And to facilitate as a, as a minister, as an ambassador for Jesus, you would have to know those kinds of customs. And slowly teach them the correct customs without being an offense. <clears throat> we need to have self-evaluation as an ambassador to compare our actions against his standards and his will and see how we are fitting in. Today, we can pray about those things, ask for visibility on it, 
And my experience is you will get visibility, but probably not in the way that you anticipate it or expect it. And it probably won't happen instantaneous. It'll happen slowly. And one point in time, you'll say, aha, I got it. But in the meantime, between the initial event and to that point where you say, I got it, can be some trying circumstances. Having skill at dealing with different people, be discretion, be discretionary, be tactful, requires wisdom, understanding, requires the Holy Spirit. It's easy to invoke an argument or quarrel in a culture that perhaps we don't understand, or perhaps it's a culture that we do understand, and we're trying to even correct. And finding the right words to do it delicately is sometimes difficult. And sometimes there's a point where you probably just give up. <laughs> because if you don't give up, you know it's going to turn negative and nasty. Speaking that which is right when hearers are ready to hear it. Timely admonitions. Paul references that to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 24-25. <clears throat> Speaking that which is right when they're ready to hear it. You just can't jump from point zero to what you're going to be in, in the future through Christian teaching, if you're talking and teaching someone that has been steeped in another religion, it takes time, it takes a process. Our role in the kingdom will be ruling, leading, teaching, and judging the nations. What we're doing today as ambassadors is a training for that. We may not even realize that in our physical life today, some of these things are transpiring because the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of the world are so different. The humility, the lack of force, the lack of explaining and encouraging is not the way of the world. You know, it, I hate to go back and be redundant because I went through this quite a number of messages ago about taking each other to court. You know, we don't do that because, as Paul says, we're going to be judging angels. That means we should be able to, if we're going to be judging angels, we should be developing that judgment ability now. And if we're going to judge angels, the worldly court is below judging angels. So we should have the wisdom, the understanding, the knowledge to, number one, correctly assess the situation from both the one who did wrong and the one who was the victim. Both should correctly have the knowledge and wisdom to understand it. And both should have the humility, one, to admit the wrong, and the other, the humility, to correct it correctly and not be out for blood and vengeance, right?
So then both do what God wants, which is to forget it, put it as far away from you as the east is from the west, never bring it up again, and never hold any grudges. To a certain degree, that's an analogy with kings and priests and government of God versus the government in the world now. If we subordinate ourselves to a government of this world that is in conflict with his government, we're putting ourselves in a position where we could be influenced by carnal men and again under the motivation of the angel of light manipulating circumstances. Jesus is going to restore the nations and it's going to be a hard road to hoe. He knows exactly how to do it. We're going to have a part of that. In Hebrews 11, 13 through 16, the writer gives us a little encouragement. He says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, just like we do, and were persuaded of them, just as we are, and they embraced them. They confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of the country from whence they came out of, they might have had opportunity to have returned, but now they desire a better country that is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Yes, a city, a city and nations, and a whole kingdom of God that we will have a wonderful time participating in, helping to rebuild and restructure the damaged world. Today, Ambassadors, moral kings and priests with power over the nations. Revelation 2.26 And he that overcomes and keeps my word unto the end, to him I will give power over the nations.